Hello. What's up? Joy, where are you, where are you right now, by the way? I am in my house in Chicago. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I can give you a tour here real quick. This is the... Yeah, but no one else can see it. Wow, it looks so nice. Such a nice home. It's just, you wow. know, it's very homely. Yeah, I like I love that leather couch situation. Gosh, it's, it's like super deep too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's you're... the best. That's the best. Yeah. It can like wow. you can literally sleep two people next to it, which is kind of wild. Um, <laughs> it was my first like adult purchase. You know, I bought it years ago and it's, it's I feel like couches are way more expensive than people think. Oh my gosh. It was I felt like it broke the bank. I don't know exactly how much this one. Was. I can't remember fully. You're like, do I want to buy an engagement ring or buy this couch? Yeah, yeah. Um, for real though, it's been a while. Like, uh, why is furniture so expensive? And honestly, like, I think it broke like almost immediately too. Like something, some spring in it, so I had to get it fixed pretty oh, quickly. Oh, the worst. Which, yeah. Um, You're like, I paid so much money for this broken couch. Yeah, but it's it is the I mean, oh, the best. I could sit in there all the time. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, so today's going to be a little bit shorter than normal because I am in SF and I've just been running around the office looking for like a like a headset. And I was like, oh shit, my computer's at like 8% need a charger. So I was like running around for a charger and like I thought I had my backpack. So I'd like I ran it back to the room and I was like, I don't have it. I had to run back, run back out. It was, just, it was just really crazy. But anyways, we're here. So we'll get right to the topic. Um, so the, the topic for the day, uh, Joey, I would love to hear your thoughts on this from your perspective. What is your opinion between, what is your opinion on the balance between totally teams being totally autonomous about technical decisions that they make for their products, such as architecture that like might have like long lasting effects because architecture is compared to other things that we build is much harder to change versus um, what we've seen at a lot of our clients where you like, you have these like senior engineers that become architects and they sort of like come up with like the architecture pattern for like teams to follow. And then like teams like sometimes teams like have to follow. It's like a mandated thing. I, I think we've seen like some clients also have it be like a recommendation, but I would say that for a lot of like our enterprise clients, there's this mentality of like, we know best and we need to plan for the future. Yeah. So we're going to come up with like the pattern for everyone. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely like a, a touchy subject for um, lots of enterprises and we, we face this a lot and you know, you know that we see this. So um, you know, like realistically there, it'd be naive of us to say some planning isn't necessary. Um, I think that we, we need to plan some things, um, especially when it comes to architecture, how everything's going to act into a wider system. Um, we need to be able to be flexible to kind of maintain that. Um, the biggest problem that I see that we could, that, that can be solved with this, this disparity, this, uh, disparity between like architect and developer and who's actually coming up with that is these people should just work together a little bit more. You know, what we see is we see, like we said, ivory tower type architecture design, um, a bunch of like UML and sheets of like how things are going to talk to each other. And we're going to have this giant organizational um, flow chart of like, you'll talk to this thing and that thing. Um, and you're developing this in a box without any products to kind of um, hit against. Um, and what we, we should be doing is getting together with all those product teams. Architects are um, typically someone that, 
you know, has not probably been an engineer um, on the keyboards in a while, but um, definitely has the capabilities and capacity to do that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been 10 years since the last yeah. time they were some, some functioning code. So we just need to, to like start that conversation early and often. And, and it's like, it's a continuous one. So like as architecture is developing and evolving um, and I think that the team should be responsible for really um, saying like, how is this architecture going to impact the, the actual product we're building? And, um, you know, is it, is it solving our client and customer needs as, as we like anticipated? And there's a lot that like, I think is more of a collaboration rather than a, here's my mandate, go do the thing. Yeah. You know, this, you know, all eight of us architects got together and we said that everything needs to go to a queue and then that everyone will consume the queue and the message <laughs> to have this. It's like, wh- where did that come from? You know? And that's what we see a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think that like, that might be the solution that we get to. Um, but we should be continuously evolving that um, with like um, with the t- product teams and the architects. And this should be something that is not like a one and done conversation. It's, it's a continuous and evolving one. Um, yeah. And Matt Parker too, like um, Matt Parker also, you know um, I think he's the head of engineering, I believe is his title for Pivotal Labs. Um, Isn't he the engineering practice lead of Pivotal Labs? Well, yeah, sure. I think so. Um, I, I actually don't know his like, official title but like let's say he's, he's on the practices council that's what i yeah. always say yep um but um has like a, a blog post I, I highly recommend reading it it's just around like um architecture and architecture decisions um and you know basically kind of breaks down into two camps things that are easy to change and things that are hard to change um architecture decisions that mm. we make up front because we're making decisions up front that are that are happening all the time like there's um, some architecture decisions that are easier to make versus others that are hard, like harder to change, like even within like the bucket of architecture. Absolutely. Yeah. So we might make a decision that sure we can actually evolve from that. We can actually pivot from that pretty quickly. Other ones it's like very difficult. And, you know, like I think if you think about something like the, the choice of your, your programming language, you know, like if I, if I say like we have a choice between like writing a C, you know, a C sharp or C++ versus like a Java, we make that decision. This is an architecture decision. It's a decision on how our, our program is going to be structured and like how it's going to be built. Those are actually kind of difficult to change um, because like it means, it most likely means a rewrite. Like if I, if I said, actually, we need a .NET this entire time and some of the capabilities that .NET offers, that's a tough change because we might have hired around it. We might have done a whole mm. bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a world where, you know, like I, I think, um, you know, and, and, and Matt Parker's article does a better job of explaining this than, than I will ever do on this podcast, but um, it, it exists for just like understanding um, we're making a lot of architecture decisions, even when we're, even if we think we're not as a development team um, and it's understanding the, the difference between what can be simple. Um, I think this, I think his article actually goes into um, the way we might like structure our, you know, like um, request response um, web architecture or um, event driven or um, batch type processing and stuff. Like I think it comes into that. Like, but um, but yeah, I think. I mean, if I come back to the beginning, it's we need more consistent collaboration. Like that's how we solve this. It's not and it's not the development team going in a silo. It's not the the architecture the architects going into a silo. It's um, coupling both people's or both groups of people's skill sets and leveraging them to develop the product that makes the most sense for both the organization and their customers and the product teams. Yeah. So I've, I have a lot of questions about like how you think that sort of collaboration would work at scale. But before we get to that, just sort of like 
give some more context around this conversation, what what would you say are like, what are like the things that architects are worried that product teams aren't thinking about? Like when we're not collaborating and, and vice versa, like what is it that product teams think that architects aren't thinking about? I think that like if, if I were to put myself in an architect's shoes, you know, I've never been, you know, role of software architect. I've, I've had to help architect systems that like we're developing and, and at startups. But, you know, what, what we think about is um, a software architect is looking at the product 10, 15 years from now. How are we going to be able to evolve and how is this going to work into the rest of the system? If we think about we're making decisions on how our data is being stored, which is a decision that they're trying to make, you know, stopgap across the entire organization. Um, are we going to use NoSQL? Are we going to use SQL? If we are, how is it going to be managed? Like, are we going to talk to a different layer? And this is just about the longevity and the portability of your system, um, you know, as a whole, not just necessarily a product. Um, and I think they're concerned that like, hey, you product team, you're looking at this as just your thing, but you need to, you need to interact into a system of systems. Um, and I think product teams are looking at architects and saying like, hey, we can we can hit the boundaries that we need to hit in this architecture. But we don't. We might not need all those things. And honestly, um, what we need is like to have the options to say we need NoSQL and SQL databases. You know, we need canonical, non-canonical, and we should just be able to spin up those things um, and use whatever one we need that best suits our that best suits our capacity or capabilities. Um, I think that like if I looked at it like a, a solid example like that, like which is something that's usually done, you know, or or how are we doing like event? Are we doing like everything's event driven, right? We send everything to a queue. Um, the product team says like, hey, we we process every incoming transaction and we process it and we do some, we clean some data a little bit and then we we use it in our system and we dump it off. The architects are talking to all the product teams across the organization and they're like, hey, Jackie, your team also needs that cleaned up transactional data. Why are we both, why are we duplicating that work? So when you're done, when you're done cleaning it, I want, you know, realistically, it's like I want to put that back onto a broker, brokerage queue and then... Um, my team can consume it, you know, like, or uh, Joey's team can consume it, they would say. Um, and I think hmm. that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to like, to, like solve connect the dots them. between different teams. And yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. When you do that, you start making a bunch of assumptions. I was going to say like, gonna yeah, there's just like, I, I feel like that's also just like, and the next question I had was like, what are some of the like pitfalls or like, you know, risks that architects do have with making those decisions. And if I think about like clients that I've worked with for, like, you know, if there's like a thing that, you know, tech people are always worried about from our clients, it's that like, we're duplicating effort, like stop duplicating effort. Um, but then like from, from the product team's perspective, we're like, it's not the same. <laughs> like what do like, we're just like, we're doing too much abstraction. Like this is not yeah, the big thing we'll get into is like it's also a yeah, big topic. Idea, but <laughs> yeah. this is a this is a topic that I'm sure would like start fires everywhere. But <laughs> it, you you know, like what I hear a lot is like also this idea of a reference architecture, like an architecture that we're going to build our entire system into. And then what you see is the product team being forced to turn their product, which might just be like an MVC standard yeah. app, you know, trying to trying to like put things onto a message brokering queue. For some reason, or you know, and that's the big the keep, the reason I keep saying is that like Kafka and RabbitMQ and these these message streams are like really big hot topics now because they're like, oh, hey, yeah. we can reuse the data. As as every company is becoming 
things that have to take your data, consume it in different ways and like do different things to it. Um, it's starting to be like the big, the hot topic everywhere, but uh, it has been for, for bits, but like now it's like everyone's like, well, we need to, we need to put this on a messaging system. Um, and what we see is that like, then my app is just, you know, um, I'm, I'm maintaining um, the, the user profiles for all these people. And now I need to build it into the structure. I need to like set up these streams and do all this other stuff. And the complexity yeah. of my app has just gone to a thousand because it's the reference architecture. Again, like it might be for 70% of the apps, but for those 30%, you're like, it's so damaging by saying like, this is our, our Bible. This is the way we need to develop. Um, you know, everything needs to be kind of evolutionary. It needs to be um, kind of like that fungible changing thing that we're doing. But, you know, it's hard to say that across an organization that's distributed across time zones and, and continents and everything else. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, just do however you want to do it. And then then somebody gets hired to be like, oh, make our development make more sense. And then they're like, oh, we're going to build this architecture. I was going to build it, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably just like cyclical, really. It's probably every like 20 years this happens. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there's a lot of dangers in both sides. I don't know. I think um, to me – you, you had questions on like, how would this scale? I'm telling you, architects should be pairing, um, you know, like mm-hmm. and checking in more often. Mm-hmm. I think that like, for me, I would scale this by saying, I, I don't expect the architect to be on the team every day for the entirety of mm-hmm. the, um, the, the product's life cycle. But I think that regular check-ins as things are evolving need to continue to happen. It does not. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's like every once in a while it might happen or here's the architecture, go do it. And I think that we need to continuously be doing that. Like, and that can scale. Like I can, as an architect, I can spend, you know, if I have 36 projects, um, a week apiece uh, on all of them distributed, um, it still leaves me with almost 10 weeks or almost 20 weeks of time somewhere else. So, nice. um, and organizations have way more than one architect, right? There's no way they have like one architect to do this whole brain trust. There's many of them. So, yeah, that's interesting. Cool. I feel like we just like scratched the surface of this topic. I have so many questions, but we are unfortunately at time. You know what we should do? We should actually, um, a lot of this is because of conversations that I've had with the engineering practice lead on um, my current project, Ooh. our fave, Tom Schuler. Um, um, so we should really bring Tom onto the pod and yeah. uh, continue this topic at some point. Yeah, let's bring him on. That would be dope. Uh, let's, put him on, let's put him on the old calendar. Uh, oh, yeah. Guest star number two. Would he be number two? Number two. Yeah, that's crazy. There are a lot of people that are going to be upset at that, but you know. You know what? what? Can we do. We, we talk about whatever's relevant in our lives right now. And that's, that's true. This is a hot topic. All right, cool. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any travel tips. Do you have any? I mean, I flew here on United yesterday. It was not the best experience. Um, yeah. One one travel tip is if you're flying United, um, don't expect that like so they don't have like TVs and stuff, right? Like you know, that's fine. They, they do the whole, like, just like download the app, but you got to download the app before you get on the plane. Cause like, yeah, don't expect to be able it. to like use data on the plane. Cause like, it's all like thwarted. And then you have to have the app on your phone beforehand, but also don't expect to be able to use, they're like, Oh, you could like hit this website and like use it on your computer. But like, it doesn't okay. work. Like it, it like was like, you need to install flash. I'm like, I'm using fucking Chrome. Chrome has flash. So I like turned on the flash for the website, but then it's like, you need to install this other thing. And then I like Googled it. And then all these were like, yeah, that's really not secure. Don't do that. 
So it's just like, what, what is going on? Like, this is this is the worst. So you're, you're like, actually not worth it. Don't fly United is what you're saying. Yeah, don't fly United or don't fly don't fly long flights on United. Okay. I don't know. Do like that said, yeah, that said, they um their first go around on like the drink cart, they give you the full can. So you know, there's that. <laughs> All right, cool. Happy holidays, Jackie. Happy holidays. Goodbye.